Today's episode is brought to you by Hugh Kitchen. Hugh is a family-founded chocolate and snacking company focused on creating products that match ultra-simple ingredients with unbeatable taste. Built on a strong mission to help people get back to human, Hugh only uses simple, real, and responsibly sourced ingredients. Hugh obsessively vets every ingredient to unite unbeatable taste with unmatched simplicity. They go beyond what is easy and expected to ensure that their products and practices are ethical and put both humanity and the human body first. All of Hugh's products are gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free, and aren't heavily processed. I tried their hazelnut butter 8-pack of chocolate bars and it was delicious. Um, it's 70% dark chocolate, and honestly, it's making my mouth water just, just talking about it. So I think I might go and grab my hazelnut butter chocolate bar right after I finish this because it is delicious, and you guys are absolutely going to love it. So what do you got to do to make sure you guys get Hugh Kitchen? Well, right now they are offering 15% off. All you got to do is use code POD to get the 15% off your next purchase at HughKitchen.com. That's code POD, as in P-O-D, for 15% off at HughKitchen.com. That's H-U-Kitchen.com. Find out why Hugh helps people get back to human. going on guys thanks for tuning in to the red and gold standard podcast my name is zach hernandez and today i am joined by my co-hosts anthony perry and matt llewellyn and we are recapping the 49ers ugly loss to the new orleans saints down in the big easy it was a very disappointing loss but that kind of seems to be the reoccurring theme this year kind of seems to be the reoccurring theme of all 2020 to be honest with you um, but there were still some bright spots, and we're here to break them all down. We also took some questions from viewers, and we looked ahead to 2021 a little bit. So let's go ahead and get into this recap. But before we do, we have a quick message from the sponsor, and I just want to ask all of you to please do us a solid, support the show, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, that is the best thing you could do for us. We read all the reviews. If you like us, you think we're doing a good job, Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to our 49ers versus Saints live stream recap. My name is Zach Hernandez. I'm joined by Matt Llewellyn and Anthony Perry. That was an ugly loss. I think it's kind of what we all expected going into this game. Uh, Matt, what are your initial takeaways from it? What about how I expected as far as the final score goes? How we got there was pretty interesting and disastrous, but... Uh, yeah, it was it was just slop. It was a sloppy game. Um, you know what what we had hoped for yesterday during the preview kind of came true, where the Saints kind of played down to the 49ers. But quarterback play is so bad for this team that they couldn't take advantage. Um, special teams is so bad for this team they couldn't take advantage. Uh, pretty pathetic on those two sides, which leaves you know a really good defensive effort hanging out in the wind. Unfortunately, um, that the defense played really well. Jason Verrett. Uh, shut down Michael Thomas, like just he had two catches. I mean, pretty fantastic. Yeah, Semper Fi is saying it. Mullins is trash. 
trash, trash, trash. I've been saying this since the beginning, and I hate being so right. Uh, you know, it's it's very telling at the beginning of the game, right? Everybody's super excited because it's like they go down the field. They eat half the first quarter. They score a touchdown. Well, why is that? Oh, it's because Kyle scripted the game plan for Mullins to not make mistakes. And as soon as they got out of that and Kyle had to call situational plays, Mullins didn't know his elbow from his backside, and, you know, that turned into turnovers and bad plays. He had two interceptions. There were like three or four more passes that were interceptable. Just a bad look all the way around. Um, it's it's draft season, fellas. Let's let's just get to it. It's draft season. Yeah, definitely. Um, Anthony, wh- what did you think? I know you weren't able to be on the live stream preview with us, but what were your expectations going into the game? And then how did that kind of meet the reality? Well, we talked about it on the pod a bit. I think one thing I said was that this is the type of game that the Saints were going to let play down towards us. And that's pretty much what happened, I thought. And really, Sean Payton and the Saints are like Mike Tomlin and the Steelers in the sense that they will play down to any terrible competition. And we saw that with the Steelers playing the Cowboys last week, and it was the case today. The bottom line, though, is I think Matt said it best, man. Quarterback play just was the downfall of this team entirely. And special teams. Special teams was just as bad as well. But, I mean, yeah, multiple plays from Nick Mullins that just cost the team entirely from interceptions to terrible throws to just not even reading a field. And you can blame pass protection all you want, but the bottom line is that Nick Mullins, when he had his chances at a clean pocket, he just wasn't converting. And like Matt said, once again, Kyle Shanahan basically scripted that entire first drive, and you can wonder why the offense looks so good on almost every first drive in the entire season. And that's pretty much the story of Kyle Shanahan is that he's going to put any of the quarterbacks that he has at his disposal, whether it's Garoppolo, whether it's Beathard or Mullins, and try to make their job as easy as possible. But once the game gets out of hand or once Kyle has to step away from that game plan and trust that his quarterback can make any type of off-script play or just make any type of play to begin with, it doesn't happen. So all in all, the offense let the team down today. Special teams was just as bad. And the defense had one of their best performances of the season, I thought. I mean, Kerry Hyder got a sack. Ken Law finally got a sack. Jason Verrett shut down Michael Thomas. And you couldn't have asked for anything more from our defense. But it's just another one of those games, you guys. We just got to embrace draft season. And uh, talk about who Zach Wilson's favorite target will be next season. Uh, not so fast, my friend. It might not necessarily be Zach Wilson. You just calm down there, friend. We're going to do some legwork on that. But going back to what you said about Kyle getting away from the game plan, I wish he would get away from the game plan more because cargo plane McKinnon's ass is out of fuel. Keep him in the hangar. He's trash. Okay. I don't want to hear any more about Jarek McKinnon. He's going to be gone after this year. He is awful. Awful, awful, awful. No burst, no wiggle. Tackle for loss every single time. And can we talk about play calling? Fourth down and one. Let's go in the shotgun and run another draw or another dive play up the middle, just like we did a couple weeks ago. I feel like we've seen this story before. Jarek McKinnon sucks, and they run the ball right into the teeth of the defense. I don't know what's going on, man, but quarterback play sucks. Running back play sucks. Brandon Ayuk is a stud, though. Mm-hmm. I call yeah. that one. Zach, you called Jason Verrett. Um, yeah, I also called Richie James, so that wasn't really pretty. Um, no. 50%. Oh, no. Fire, I'm on the fire Richie James. This is exactly why Richie James – they were like, oh, he just doesn't get opportunities. This is why. Yeah. This is why. What do, what do you do with it? Nothing. So yeah. it, it was just bad. just bad all the way around. Yeah. How, yeah. how are you feeling, Zach? Well, Anthony touched on special teams there. That was abysmal. We, we've talked about all year that this team needs a spark – they just need something. Not only do they not get a spark, they like hurt the team. They they put the team back. 
fumbles after fumbles. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't, you know, allow any blocked kicks or anything like that to happen because anything that could go wrong on special teams happened. And it was just really unfortunate to see because it happened at pivotal moments. You kept hearing the announcers even yeah. say themselves, like, it seems like even for both teams, but at least I would say more happened for the 49ers. The time when you just can't have that play, they had that play. So that was really unfortunate to see. Um, and, and the play calling I thought was was suspect. And I'm not one to really question Kyle Shanahan because I do not know nearly as much as the X's and the O's as far as, um, you know, as he does, obviously. But some of the times, I mean, Matt, you alluded to it right there, the fourth and one and shotgun, the, the, the line is completely, you know, cramped with defensor, defenders on the Saints. And he, he, he gives it to who? Cargo plane, McKinnon, from the shotgun. It's like, what are you doing? There's no chance yep. in hell that that guy is going to get through there and get the first down. Stuff like that just made me really, really kind of really grind my gears. I felt like Peter Griffin. But there were a couple bright spots. I saw Punk Fats asking any bright spots at all. Anthony, I think you mentioned Kinlaw. Yeah, Matthew, you mentioned Jason Barrett and Ayuk. They played really well. Kerry Hyder. He had two back-to-back sacks, I believe, or at least uh, he assisted on the second one. There was a sequence where the 49ers had six straight plays from within the 10-yard line in gold-to-gold uh, gold, uh, situations, and they held up. They held up in all six yeah. plays. That was really nice to see. The defense has continually held, kept the team in the games. They're just not getting any help at all from the offense, unfortunately. By the way, can we talk about Jordan Reed with the catch of the year? Yes. Holy crap. Well, at least until DeAndre Hopkins caught a Hail Mary over three Buffalo Bills, but that notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, that catch was amazing. I mean, just one hand to be able to get it at his shoe tops and pull that bad boy up. That Absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. That was a bright spot for me. Defense overall, I think, was a bright spot. I mean, they did. I mean, they played outstanding. When the offense is that terrible and you have to be on the field that much, they looked really good. Um, I thought solid did a great job. Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard though. You know, when you're, when you're the only side of the ball getting things done between special teams and offense and you're hanging out there to dry, eventually it's gonna, it's gonna come back and get you. Um, I know somebody in the chat, AH MTAR. Can we talk about number 69? I tweeted at him with the highlight and asking him if he's still here and that he needs to go eat a sandwich. But if I have to see Mike McGlinchey get knocked on his ass, one more time. I mean, he is awful. He is garbage. Garbage, garbage, garbage. I don't ever want him to get on. Someone deactivate his Twitter account. Suspend him from Twitter because he's out here. Someone fact check his shit because he is not here. He's no. He's nowhere except in the dirt and getting quarterbacks killed. He is bad, bad, bad. Terrible play. <laughs> look, at, look at this, Hug Fat. Can we start a GoFundMe to get Slim, Slim Mike? I think this meant some food. Um, yeah, I think we need to get that going because the guy is close to 150 pounds, I'd say. It, it's bad. Um, Anthony, what's going on with McGlinchey? Do you think that that's a salvageable situation or do the 49ers just need to cut ties after this year? You know what's funny, and I feel like Matt's going to agree with me on this, but once a tackle starts to trend downhill and doesn't feel like his play is consistent that's kind of the end of the line for tackles and we see what happens with those types of offensive linemen who do have stellar seasons and then just come off and just bomb entirely more often than not tackles are going to fall apart more than they're going to put it together and this is just what's happening with McGlinchey exactly I don't want to hear anyone talk about how oh, losing Joe Staley and losing that mentor really hurt him and knocked him off his game it's like come on man you're a professional and then you have him go off on social media and say oh I'm still here where are the haters at or some BS like that and then he just absolutely gets lit up and it seems like that McGlinchey is good for this once a game literally at least once a game 
And I'll tell you, I've seen my fair share of tackles get blown up by good defensive ends, and Marcus Davenport's no pushover. But for someone like Mike McGlinchey, who should, like on paper, go pound for pound with Davenport and just get his ass rocked play after play after play, and on top of that, it's just consistent penalties, consistent blown blocks. It's It just feels like that – like we're trending towards saying that Mike McGlinchey is the worst offensive lineman on the team. And I, I hate getting that low you guys, but it's just Mike McGlinchey is single-handedly costing us games. I'm sorry. And I know that quarterback play has been just as bad, but when you have someone who literally just doesn't let up, he's literally letting pressure after pressure go by him. And albeit Mullins isn't good, but you need to give someone like Mullins time to throw the damn ball or else he's going to get crunched. And McGlinchey cannot buy three seconds worth of pass protection, let alone two. And it's just you see that happening, and it makes you wonder, is the team going to pick up his option? Is the team going to move on from him? What are they going to do? And it's just frustrating that you've seen good tackle play out of him in the past. But to see the regression, like this dude just hit a brick wall. He hit a wall, and it's just not getting better at all. And you got to wonder if, at least internally, you're thinking about what can they do to improve McClinchy's play or just improve the offensive line. I just think it's embarrassing that he's so skinny. At what point do you think – Okay, you have a super athletic guy who weighs just as much as you running full steam ahead at you while you're backpedaling on your feet. You don't think an extra 30 pounds would help you in that regard? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's baffling to me that the strength and conditioning coaches on this team, too, think that that's okay. There's no anchor. Get he has, time he has no time. anchor at all. He no, cannot. He, doesn't. he has bad no weight. feet. He needs the weight because he has bad feet. Um, you know, I listen, I'm just going to say this. I hope Mike McGlinchey gets Quentin Nelson really nice Christmas gifts every year because Quentin Nelson got his ass paid in the NFL. <laughs> McGlinchey is was definitely overdrafted. He's one of the he's the worst offensive tackle pick in, inside the top ten since Eric Fisher. Like, get him out of here. I don't want. I mean, I just trade him if you can coming up to the draft season. But for what he's going to make, I'd have to look at it. But he's going to make a pretty decent amount if they pick up his fifth year option as a, as the number nine overall pick. So I don't know, man. I don't know if I would keep him around for that. There's going to be better to just bring in, I don't know, like a blocking dummy. Yeah. You know what I mean? At, at that point, at least it's going to be sturdy, but yeah. yeah McGlinchey's an embarrassment. Tomlinson played terrible today. Um, he had penalties again, that, Lack of communication between him and Trent Williams is pretty obvious. I don't think they like each other very much. Um, notice, notice when they all went on like the COVID protocol last week. How Lake and Tomlinson wasn't involved in that. Trent, Trent Williams ain't hanging out with Lake and Tomlinson. They don't <laughs> like each other. It's pretty apparent. But you know, get him. This offensive line needs to be overhauled. The quarterback needs to be overhauled. We have a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, not good. Not good. The offense really, really let this team down and then they bring in cj bethard for a play because he has a big arm and then under throws a deep ball it's, it's just you just we can't win yeah it was it was really bad uh going through some of these comments uh el palito solid coach to great game though he did kenlon Hyder both played well mullins noodle arm killed us matt i'm sure you would love yep. that comment noodle um, mullins dude noodle mullins second free shout out to warriors world this is their hoodie um Lakin Tomlinson, like Matt said, struggled as well. Jamar Taylor, yeah, he, he's he's been solid actually. He's a, he's a nice addition to the team. Walter's earning his his place. He had a nice catch and run. He'll obviously have a more, I guess, involved role now with that hasty out, hasty with a broken collarbone. Actually, 
actually, when Kyle was talking during the uh, press conference today about saying guys getting back on offense, I'm pretty sure he's talking about Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert. So they'll probably be back for the next game against uh, Buffalo. Good, but, good. Yeah. McKinnon, no juice. Okay. Cargo playing McKinnon. 18 <laughs> carries, 33 yards. That is garbage. That is the Tevin Coleman stat line. That's, yeah. <laughs> He's got makes you miss Kevin Coleman. <laughs> at least Coleman was good for one good run a game. Or at yeah, least I want to not get tackled for loss so much. Yeah. I want to piggyback on what Matt just said there regarding Jerry Finkinen. The team has a whole 49 rushing yards on 25 attempts. They averaged two yards per carry. I got to ask you guys, and we can start with Zach. When you have someone like Raheem Mostert and – I guess Tevin Coleman, when you have these guys who have that top end speed who can really just fly past holes, do you think missing that speed is really the difference between the run game being successful and just playing as poor as it is? Because obviously Jarek and Kinnon is slow. Jamichael Hasty is a rookie, but he doesn't have that speed that Mostert does. How much is Mostert's value really, really set in stone for how well the run game plays? I think it's a lot. Um, I wouldn't give it 100% credit as to why the running game works when he's in there. But I would give it at least, you know, anywhere from 50 to 75 percent because we've seen a drastic, you know, uh, difference between how the offensive line looks in a matter of a week or two. When Mostert's in there, they look really good. Um, he, he, he has the vision and the speed and the cutback ability to, to understand where these holes are and where they aren't. Um, now, the moment he goes out and a guy like McKinnon or even uh, Hasty goes in there, they don't have that same ability. They don't have that same speed. And. Although Hasty has looked a lot better than McKinnon, they still do not have the success that uh, Mostert has. And that, I think that's due to his speed because he's able to just completely hit that hole that a lot of other back, backs on this team aren't. So he's able to overcome a lot of the deficiencies of the offensive line. Um, it's like, you know, having a great quarterback makes up uh, for a lot of other, you know, bad parts of the offense. It masks a lot of it. And I think that's exactly what Mostert is to this running game. He's able to mask a lot of the deficiencies and it kind of just works with him and it doesn't seem to work with anybody else. So what do you think, Matt? I think you're on mute. Sorry about that. Um, I think Zach, you pretty much nailed it. Um, I don't think though that in this game, in this situation, that Mostert even would have made that much of a difference. They're just This line just got the brakes beat off it the entire time. So, you know. It's it's one of those things where I don't even think Mostert would have made a difference because what are you you're not scared of Mullins right if Mostert's in the game what are you going to do stack the box stack the box blitz Mullins can't even call out protection like he's not even <laughs> call out protection changes and a cornerback a cornerback was in your ass all day like that there's no excuse for that that's just pathetic so Mostert is definitely the better runner but we have a serious quarterback problem on this team. Um, and Jimmy is just good enough that, you know, teams will worry about the pass. He's shown that he can do at least a little bit in the passing game. He's like, you know, he's he's Kirk Cousins tier, and he can do some damage in the passing game. But Mullins, no one's scared of Mullins. No one's scared of Beathard. There's, well, okay, well, if they beat us, so what? Good luck, you know, stack the box for a guy like Mostert. So when he comes back against Buffalo – against Buffalo, who's going to be pissed off because they lost on a Hail Mary. I, man, that's going to be an ugly game, I think. <laughs> Josh Allen, man. I do not even want to think about having to defend Josh Allen. 
Oh, yeah, another mobile quarterback, just what this team needs, right? Yeah, we can launch the ball 70 yards. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. Um, I, I do think that I was a little confused as to why they even brought CJ in just for that one snap. I thought, oh, okay, uh, Nick's probably done for the day then. They're going to let CJ have the rest of the game, see what he can do. Do you guys have any reasoning as to why they only brought him in for one game or one it was play? Deep yeah. ball. But it's the, you know, what makes that whole thing frustrating. <laughs> and it's, I mean, if you could sum up one play of 49ers football for the whole season at that throw. And the reason why I say that is because you bring in the prolonged big arm quarterback who can hit those. And the one time, the one time they make a huge play downfield, right? And Richie James is actually open and he has open space in front of him and he gets a step on the DB. <laughs> Beth underthrows it by three yards. And it's like, all right, the part of it that's frustrating is not only does he F up on the deep throw, it's the fact that when he comes in, I'm sure every single person on the Saints team is thinking, all right, this is it. This is the deep ball <laughs> we're all sitting on. And he saw the play pre-snap is that there's like six DBs in the back in the back just waiting for the ball. And, of course, Richie James runs a beautiful route and Beathard just can't hit it. And, I mean, if you, you know, I, I got to ask you guys, because now this kind of raises a question. At least, you know, we know the quarterback play is just terrible. But what kind of message do you think that that sends to a locker room when you see that, all right, Beathard's only throws on the deep ball because Mullins can't hit it? What, what kind of message do you think that can send to the offense? Go ahead, Matt. Well, I don't think, I don't think that Kyle – listen, Kyle's telling more fibs out here, more miscommunications. Remember when Schlereth said – Kyle said Jimmy was healthy, but Jimmy said he was hurt? Apparently, Kyle said that Nick, like, tweaked his quad or whatever, so they pulled him out. And Nick Mullins was like, no, I got the wind knocked out of me, but I was glad I could make it back. <laughs> that's the type of stuff. So it seems like Mullins got the wind knocked out of him, and that's why he came back, But which I'm not surprised by. He got absolutely shellacked the whole game. Um, yeah. But, oh, man, listen, even, even if that wasn't true, we all know that Noodle Arm Nick can't make that throw. It's just – he can't even make throws between the numbers. He can't even make the Jimmy throws, the 15-yard no. dig routes or whatever between the numbers. He can't do it, especially if there's pressure and he can't step into the throw. It's going to be, like, right at everybody's feet. Um, that interception to Bourne in the end zone, pathetic. That interception, the first interception was even uh, more pathetic. It's like, dude, the linebacker's right there. What are you doing, dude? Yeah. That was bad. So It was bad. Speaking of shellac, though, I think throughout this game, it was definitely a frustrating process, but nothing set the tone more for the Niners than the uh, roughing the passer that was called on Contavious Street where Drew Brees got hurt. I got to ask you guys, when, when you already have a downtrodden team like the Niners who just needs some kind of luck, how, how demoralizing is something like that to happen for a defense and really just for a team? Because I've never seen anything more terrible than that. I mean, I, I don't know. surprised they called it. Yeah, unfortunately. It's Drew Brees. He's a Hall of Famer. He's going to get that call. And yeah. I mean, it obviously wasn't nothing. Like that rule is put in to protect quarterbacks, and obviously Drew Brees now has a rib injury because of that. So, you know, I, it sucks. But like earlier in the day, there was a roughing the passer against Teddy Bridgewater when Bridgewater clearly lowered his head into the defender. That's just that's the rules for quarterbacks, man. You got to like let up. You know, Chase Young cost the Washington Football Team today because he took five steps and kind of tapped Matthew Stafford on the back. You know, the, the quarterback is a very protective position. So, you know, I wouldn't have even wrapped him on that play. It's like hit him, knock him down. Don't fall with him. Just just hit him. Just Drew Brees. He's not going anywhere. He's not Taysom Hill where he can get away. Just yeah. shove, shove his little ass over and you, you would have been fine. 
But, you know, wrapping him and then falling, even if it was like only partially on him, Drew Brees is so small, it's going to look like he's ending up on top. I was not surprised at all. Of course, it's demoralizing, but you have to have situational awareness in those plays to, you know, do a better job of like, hey, you know, we better be careful with Drew Brees because we know that he's a legacy guy and he's probably more often than not going to get the call that I'm not because I'm Contavious Street. Who am I compared to Drew Brees, you know? There's some of that superstar treatment that goes on, whether we like it or not, whether it's fair or not. The rules of the game are called differently for superstars. That's just the way that it is. It's always been that way. And to not recognize that, I think, you know, that's that's a little bit on Contavia Street. But I, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't necessarily surprised. Um, like Matt said, they had called it earlier in the day. I feel like it's like law. They're setting precedent. So, so it's what you can expect moving forward. But it sucks because it was a, a, good, a good play for the 49ers. And – in my opinion, watching it in real time, it almost seemed like momentum and two Saints offensive linemen kind of pushed Street into Breeze a little harder than he would have gone normally. So that was unfortunate. And even the commenter said, like, look, he kind of fell to the side of Drew Breeze. There was nothing malicious there. Even the penalty that they were calling, they basically were saying, like, just the way it happened, they're not blaming him for it, but that's just a foul. It's unfortunate, but... It's it's today's NFL. It, it, you know, we're a day away from two hand touch. Unfortunately, there, there's a comment. Here. We, see, we see what happens when backup quarterbacks have to come into play. It's garbage, yeah. dude. I'm all for protecting quarterbacks. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, comment in here that a steady offense couldn't adjust to a blitzing nickelback. How many times did we see the Saints blitz a nickel corner and the Fortnite's had no answer for it? Why they didn't call out protections? Never once did you see you all. Never once did I hear Mullins identify the mic. Never once did I see the center point out positioning and calling and changing protections. They didn't do any of that, and I think that's partially because they're on their third center of the year, and it was Brunskill's second game at the position. But I mean, to not even slide over to you know a blitzing side or you know move protection over is there's just no excuse. Not even to how many I didn't even hear that many audibles out of plays. No. You know, no, I think I heard game, Jimmy, Jimmy will call it 10 or 12 times a game where he'll call the can and then they'll switch to their secondary play. Mullins didn't do that at all. So that, to me, that's on that's on Mullins and that's on that's on uh, Daniel Brunskill. More so on Mullins because Mullins should know what the protections are while Brunskill is still learning a position. But, you know, they go into it with Kyle gives Mullins two plays. And so he has the opportunity to audible out and he just didn't do it. No. No, not at all. And I mean, Mullins' play is just the epitome of Niners football for the entire season. So it, it is what it is. On top of that, Derek McKinnon doesn't want to pick up a blitz, or if he does, he does it terribly. So it's like McKinnon just didn't help himself at all today, running the ball, catching the ball, pass protection, whatever it may be. And outside of Ayuk and Jordan Reed's really nice catch, it didn't feel like that anyone really just stepped up at all. And that's just it's how it's going to look for probably the rest of the season unless the guys get healthy and there's a miracle. But at this point, it's hard to be confident in a unit that doesn't play with confidence, and you see that at all. And I always get a good laugh out of Nick Mullins, though, because he's always making that, like, that like really scrunchy face. You know, he looks like he's doing that the whole time. And it's like, bro, <laughs> just play some damn football, man, and he doesn't. But I think, you know, what's funny, though, is that Obviously, the 2018 defensive unit was nowhere near as good as it was last year and even this year. But I felt like the 2018 unit was on its way to developing something special, and we see that now. And a lot of 2018 when Garoppolo went down was just terrible offensive play. 
And you see that the same story is being repeated this year with injured quarterbacks, a bad offense, and a really good defense. When you guys see how well the defense is playing now, whether the Saints did play down to us or not, does that give you guys confidence that once the defensive players do come back for next season, this unit can still remain to be a top five, uh, top five defensive force in the league? Well, yeah. yeah. It, well, yeah, but that's really we got we got a bunch of free agents on the back end that yeah. we got to figure out. The entire secondary is going to be pretty much gone except for Ward, who can't make plays on the football apparently. Um, but other than that, I mean, we've talked about it. So many free agents coming out on the backside. Then you got to worry about Fred Warner and his contract, and you know, so it depends on who they're able to re-sign, who they're able to replace the departing players with as to whether or not uh, this team stays. I think that a healthy Nick Bosa is going to go a long way just because of how much disruption he costs, uh, he causes with his pass rushing ability. Um, a strong pass rush will kind of mitigate some of those weaker defensive backs. But, you know, if we can bring back Verrett on a cheapish contract, you know, he does the team solid. Even if Sherman wants to come back knowing that his best days are behind him and he wants to come back for cheap rather than making a change of scenery – that would be good. Um, Emmanuel Mosley is a restricted free agent, so we can tender him. And if he goes somewhere else, we get we get a pick. So that's going to keep him in the realm of affordability too, just because teams aren't going to want to match what we, you know, what we give him. Right. Man, you stop it, Bethard out there looking like me. Relax, relax. I'm I had to put that up there. Bethard. Uh, <laughs> swing of momentum yeah that one really sucked like i said earlier these these bad plays just happened at the worst time for the 49ers they couldn't escape them and i mean like i just told matt that we start the show i had richie james as my offensive mvp going into this game i was hoping he'd be able to build on the momentum that he had on thursday night against the packers that didn't happen not at all um offensive mvp definitely in my opinion was brandon Ayuk. i don't know if you guys would have anybody else uh maybe jordan reed no. but Ayuk, I think, yeah, he's got Reed a played well, player. but I think Ayuk was the guy. Um, Ayuk did it like, I mean, you know, he had the one rushing attempt, which I hate those play calls. I hate those stupid, stupid play calls where they like rainbow motion the guy and then do the reverse. It's like you already can't run the ball up the middle. Like, why do you yeah. think you could do this long developing play and it's going to work? But, you know, he, he was good receiving. He had seven for 75 and a touchdown. So, had some pretty impressive catches. There was one contested catch that it was really good. Speaking of contested, Kendrick Bourne had a couple of uh, contested catches. Oh, he had a couple of dog so. catches today. Oh, he had some nasty catches today. And, it, I mean, Kendrick Bourne is playing exactly like how we expect him to be. He's a very solid third option. But, again, it's hard to find a lot of light in that entire wide receiver room when outside of Ayuk, no one is really stepping up, Zach. And, and I think we said on the podcast too, it's like Richie James, I wanted him to be my MVP, but after you fumble on special teams, it's like, it's hard to consider him a special team player or just an MVP at that point. So we got to give it to Ayuk, man. At least Ayuk is the one who steps up. He got 14 targets today, 75 yards and a touchdown, albeit a couple of bad carries of the football. But Matt said it. he hates those plays. I hate those plays. It feels like they only really work for Debo Samuel, you know, and yeah. not that Ayuk is bad, but I think a lot of his success down the road will come from having Debo Samuel healthy, and especially once he's back playing. Yeah, I, I, I can't stand those plays, man. I don't know why that Kyle keeps going to them. It's so obvious that they don't work. It's so obvious that it's just going to get, at, at most, a two- to three-yard gain, 
It's like, just stop calling those. And uh, there are a couple of comments here I wanted to address. Kali Young, uh, just imagine what IU could do if we had a consistent play at quarterback. He would be fantastic. He would be a thousand yard receiver, in my opinion, no, no question. Um, he just needs a guy to get him the ball. He's constantly open. He's fast as hell. He just needs somebody to get on the ball. Um, possibly rookie of the year. I don't know about that. I, I don't know off the top of my head which other offensive rookies are standing out right now, but I don't think that IU he's, – he's definitely in the conversation, but I just think that when you have a, a kind of downtrodden team with no quarterback to, to get the ball to or to get him the ball, it's just hard for him to pad those stats like he should be. Uh, give me a healthy Bosa, Blair, and Hyder as our pass rushers next season. D4 can hit the showers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually a kind of good question, Zach. I got to ask you. I feel like this is kind of underrated, and this is a really not an important situation, but for the defensive line success, this is kind of big. Gary Hyder is on a one-year contract, as is Ronald Blair. I feel like Blair's success kind of came from the defensive line's overall success last season, and Blair's not bad by any means. But right now, I would tell you that just based off of recency bias, Kerry Hyder is probably the go-to guy and the guy you want to bring back over Ronald Blair. If you, based on these off-season decisions, and we're so long ways away from that, would you rather see Kerry Hyder back next season, or do you want to kind of roll with Ronald Blair and see what he's got left? You know, I feel like Ronald Blair has been the guy that we keep waiting for to come on for it seems like every year, and I love Ronald Blair. Don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong; he's been solid when he has been here. But we've actually seen production from Kerry Hyder like recently, and it's not something that's like, no, 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 trust me, it's coming. Next game, Ronald Blair, Ronald Blair is going to blow it up. I think that Kerry Hyder is actually having success, and if, if he's paired with a healthy Nick Bosa and an Eric Armstead on the inside who's not getting all of the double teams, I think Kerry Hyder can actually be a really effective pass rusher that the 49ers can have you know, some, some good success, a, a good amount of success with, I should say. So I think I'd take Hyder, uh, excuse me, out of the two. What about you? Yeah, I think I got to go with Hyder also. And, I mean, that's not to knock Ronald Blair at all because he's very good on the outside and on the inside. But when you see what Kerry Hyder is doing with basically no defensive line help at all, I mean, blitzes are, aren't even getting picked or are getting picked up for the Niners and blitzes can't really hit home. Kerry Hyder's success has just been really vital to keep this team's defense afloat, to really just give the team any hope at all. And we saw it today with Jameis Winston on the back-to-back sack plays. And you see that, and it's like, man, Kerry Hyder's got one hell of a motor. And you figure that the guy doesn't really have any injury history like Blair does at this point. It's just going to be a big roster decision just in terms of the salary cap next season. And obviously there's a bunch of other priorities going forward, including Warner, including Trent Williams, who knows what they do with Kwan Williams, although I like Jamar Taylor. But I will tell you, I think that Kerry Hyder should try – that should try and be on their radar of bringing guys back, although Kerry Hyder right now, just like Jason Verrett, is just planning his way into a good contract. And, I mean, that's what happens when you're on one-year contracts, just like Bourne. You want to play your ass off so you can get the bag and cut it early. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, you're back. I want to get this question to you. How come we don't see any more pre-snap motions? I feel like last year it was a big part of the offense. They did a whole segment on it. It seemed like every pre-game mm-hmm. show. It, it's, it's not really a focal part of the offense anymore. Do you know why? Yeah, because quarterbacks suck. <laughs> Fair. I mean, there's That's no it. point of doing it. No, they're going to screw All it right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's not much more than that. I mean, they need a better quarterback. Either way, doesn't matter. So, like they don't. Do I know every time. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate, but I guess that's just where we're at. Watching yeah, quarterbacks 
go ahead. That comment you put there, yeah, I was gonna say, man, you watch Kyler and you watch Russ and you watch Josh Allen and all the Mahomes um, in a whole other world. Russ sucked today. Russ yeah, sucked Russ today. Bad. Russ was really bad. But I mean, the bottom line though is that when it's you have two weeks point, in a row, yeah, Russ is losing it. He's losing it. I don't think DK Metcalf got a single target. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, nah, just watching those quarterbacks play and move the ball and just move the entire pocket, and they just change an offense's dynamic entirely. If you just give that to someone like Kyle Shanahan, like I mean, like look at Andy Reid, what happened after he got Alex Smith and got Mahomes, or look at Andy Reid when like he had um, what McNabb at the time, and I think Reid had Mike Vick also. When you get those guys who can just move, and I mean not run fast or be shifty like Kyler, but just move the pocket and create a new play, it changes an offense entirely for the better. And it's just the quarterback has to be on the radar at this point, you guys. I mean, it's the number one need. And if Shanahan and John Lynch want to retain their jobs going forward, not after next year, but for future years, I think quarterback is definitely on their ledger. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this, Matt. It needs to be a premium pick. No more yep. third, fourth round guy. No more reclamation project as a free agent. Yep. Spend the damn high pick because you yep. you've you've went too long without doing it. Uh, Jay Elliott, I think this kind of leads us to this question comment too. Alex Smith come back for a bridge quarterback to teach a drafted no. quarterback. I talked about this when when we talked we talked about this during the preview show. If you draft a guy at the top, so how it's likely going to go? The Jets are probably going to take Trevor Lawrence. Okay, um, the Jaguars are probably going to take Justin Fields. And then after that, it's a toss-up. So we're either going to get Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. Either one of those guys. If you think they're a guy and you pick them high in the first round, you don't sit them. You play them. You need to figure out what you have quick. And having them sit and not learn the speed of the So Kyle Shanahan has a very complicated offense. That's true. But not only are they going to have to learn the offense, but then once they finally get into the game, they're still learning the offense. And now they have to adjust to the speed of the NFL. You might as well kill two birds with one stone. Get them out there. It can't be any worse than what we've had. Um, I I like Alex Smith. I've been an Alex Smith guy. I didn't think that he should have lost his job to begin with, but that's you know that's another story. But at this point in his career, Alex Smith is not going to give you anything. He's just not. If you're taking a Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson can play right off the bat. So let him play. Um, I don't think that bringing in a bridge guy, you know, and I who was it who who was it you were talking to Zach? Someone slid into your DMs and was like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, Matt Ryan or Dak Prescott, yeah. Oh, oh, that's even worse. Yeah, see, all <laughs> these guys. Everybody wants everybody else, you know. Like it again. We talked about this. It's like it's Madden, but real life isn't Madden. You got to work with what you can get, and why not get your top flight QB? At worst, you get a guy who you know is a significant step up from Jimmy Garoppolo, and then all of a sudden, you know. You got quarterback for five years at least in a relatively decent contract. You can build around, even if it's not 2021 or 2022 that you compete, you're still set. I mean, it took Mahomes three, his third season on the team to win a Super Bowl. So it, it's definitely doable. You know, Russ made uh, the Super Bowl twice on his rookie contract and hasn't been back since. It's just how this stuff kind of goes. Ben Roethlisberger, same thing. Aaron Rodgers, the same thing. Like, there's a reason why this happens if you're not Tom Brady. You know, and Tom Brady historically was taking discounts. So you have to get the affordable guy out there. So, yeah, uh, going through these comments, Zach, who's your favorite player to watch tonight, regardless of the loss? That's a tough one. Um, I mean, we talked about a couple guys here who were the bright spots Ayuk, Reed. Um, Jason Verrett played okay for the most part. He played well, I'd say. Um, okay. Well, no, Michael no, he, he was good on Michael bro. Thomas. He was good on Michael Thomas. 
he also was just kind of getting out physical. Yeah, yeah. So he was solid. By he who? was solid. By who? I, off the top of my head, I don't know. It just seemed like out there yeah, he was getting kind of out physical. No, man. He, no. Verrett played really well. Okay. Take away Verrett, Matt. You can have Jason Verrett. Yeah. As far as who stood out to me that I liked, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'd go with Brandon Ayuk. The guy's just been a stud. He's been good game after game. Seems like he's getting better every week. And even with crap play at the quarterback, I mean, that's all you can really expect, especially from a rookie who missed a couple of games already to start the year. He's been really good, and I'm excited to see his development moving forward. And hopefully next year when they actually have a, a competent quarterback who can push the ball downfield, because I think that's his main strength is the deep ball. Yeah, I'm going to – you know what? Even though he had a penalty, I did think that Fred Warner played well overall. If you look at the stat sheet, mm-hmm. uh, their tight ends didn't have any catches. Did you see that? So that, that tells me uh, – Coverage against Jared Cook in the beginning of the game, Fred Warner was yeah, in? yeah, yeah. That was really yeah, good. Oh, he was right on him. Really the entire good. time. He was right on him. Yeah. So other than – and that's kind of like a bang-bang play where he was trying to tackle, I think it was Alvin Kamara, and just mm-hmm. got, like he reached out and got a face mask. Like that sucks, but that's going to happen sometimes. Overall, again, Warner, Greenlaw, they play outstanding, and you don't usually hear their names called for the wrong reason. And that like that's really something that the 49ers have been good at historically is stacking the team with really good linebackers. So that just holds true still. Um, I thought Kerry Hyder was really impressive today. Ken Law um, finally got a sack also. I thought Ken Law had himself a really Law, yeah. solid day too. Ken Law, I think, got a sack and a half because I, yeah. I think he was in on that second one, So, mm-hmm. which is good for him. I mean, he's again, he's out there. I think once he adjusts, I think his second year, I think next year is when you're going to see him start hitting home, especially with Bosa back. So those guys are going to be really good. Um, I thought, I thought uh, Reed – was really good today. Jordan Reed with that catch. Mm-hmm. He had a few others. He had a contested catch where he got hit in the face. And I was like, uh-oh, concussion. Oh, scene. yeah, but yeah. Like, he got up and he just spun right the ball away. first down. Yeah. And it, it's like, oh, okay. I can't. Like, if we can get, man, if we can re-sign Jordan Reed and have Kittle and Reed healthy and playing together, oh, my goodness. That would be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, oh, my God. <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> Zach. Kick him out. Kick him out. <laughs> um, Emmanuel Mosley played pretty well. I didn't hear his name called for the wrong reasons. True. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is that, I mean, everyone we're listing outside of IU is on defense, you guys. And I can't stress it enough. It, it gives me a lot of confidence that going into next season that Sala and the defense will have their ish together and they can just put it all together. And for a defense that basically has no pass rush, and that's not to knock Hyder and Kinlaw because they played well today, but the reality of it is that when you have a team that's not getting consistent pass rush because of no Bosa, because of no D forward, and you still see on the back end, they're getting the job done. It it's nice. It, at least there's some light to the team that we can talk about positively. And that Sala, although it seems like Sala gets the most criticism out of any of the coaches, even more so than Shanahan, like, like when they give up one big touchdown or just even a touchdown, it's like, all right, off with Sala's head. But when you see that they shut down the Saints team very good today, and again they had two hundred and I have it right here. Sorry, they had two over two hundred and forty yards of total offense, and this was the Saints team that was coming in on fire that just demolished Tampa Bay last week. And you see that the Saints just look, they just look piss poor today. So yeah. when you see that unit shut down, it does give you a lot of confidence that there is a big picture that looks good next season. It's just the offense. Yeah, and another key for the defense. Uh, they held the Saints three of twelve for on third down, which is really mm-hmm. really good. 
Right. Yeah. Um, usually we would see the 49ers, oh, it's third and long, get ready for a first down conversion right here. But <laughs> they did a really good job. Eric Armstead is stealing a paycheck. <laughs> I was waiting for this to be addressed. <laughs> Eric Armstead stealing a paycheck. He sucks. <laughs> it's, yeah, he's a $85 million run stuffer. Oh. Yeah, he's li- he's living off of the money. Again, just like I talk about McGlinchey needs to have Quentin Nelson on his Christmas list, Eric Armstead needs to have Buck and Bosa on his Christmas list because they freed him up in a contract year to get double-digit sacks when he's never had that before and will never have that again. And unfortunately, they're stuck with him because his cap hit is too high to do anything. So yeah. I think his cap hit for next year is like $28 million. So they can't even do anything with him. So yep. they're just... I just hope I hope that when Bosa comes back that you can play him on the interior because they're playing him a lot on the edge and he is not fast enough for an edge. No, no, no. And he can't contain. He cannot contain at all. No, he well he's too he's too big to get leverage right. on the offensive lineman. He's too tall. You know, at six seven, it's just, that's kind of becomes a disadvantage. You can't get low enough under a guy. No. So the best you can hope for, again, he's a run stuffer. The best you can hope for is clog the middle. You know, maybe enough attention goes somewhere else where you don't really have to maneuver. And you can just bowl into your guy. And that's about the best you can do. But on the edge, not good enough. And it looks like the Ford Niners severely overpaid. So it might honestly, at this point, they should have just let him walk and taken the comp pick. Probably. I mean, yeah, yeah. they'd probably be better off in that that scenario because they'd have that much more money to spend. And right. I, I'm, I'm being, you know, joking here, but he'd probably be better than Dan McGlinchey on the offensive line than he is at his job right now on the defensive line because he's not doing anything. Yeah, who, the fuck hey, is Dan hey, McGlinchey, bro? Who's winning a one-on-one? Mike McGlinchey or Eric Armstead? What, a fight? <laughs> no, a one-on-one pass rush. <laughs> That's a good question. McGlinchey would fall on his ass and Eric yeah. Armstead would trip on McGlinchey and they'd end up French kissing each other on the ground. Well, the quarterback gets first down. <laughs> that took a weird turn. Uh, Trey Lance, I think he's going back to our, our comments about the quarterbacks next year. Healthier and Healthier mobile. and more mobile than who? I think maybe Zach Wilson. I'm not sure who we were referring to back then. I don't, I don't know what Zach – Zach Wilson's original injury he had in high school, and he played with it for like a couple years. But I don't know how he originally injured it, whether it was like a throw or like whether it was, you know, something else. But um, – Trey Lance scares me because he's from North Dakota State. And we see what's happened to Carson Wentz. He sucks. Took a big dip. So I just I'm and and Trey Lance is not playing this year. So that's a whole oh, yeah. year without football, essentially. Um Zach Wilson, why while he has had a shoulder injury, I need to see what's going on, but it looks like he's recovered. I mean, he's throwing bombs. Um mm-hmm. I just, I just want to see a little bit more of the tape. And Zach Wilson's pretty mobile, too. It's not like he's a slouch. He can get out and move. So, you know, once I review the tape, and we're going to do this. I'm going to go over my quarterback tiers, which um, no surprise who number one is going to be. It's Trevor Lawrence. It's not even close. But, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Do you guys ever watch the movie The Time Machine, early 2000s? No, sir. The Time Machine. I was watching Land Before Time. There is, and this is completely unrelated, sorry, but you talk about Trevor Lawrence. There are these, like, beast monsters type thing. I'll send you guys a text in the group chat. They look just like Trevor Lawrence, but in, like, a really weird monster form. (laughs) Dude, every time I see his face, I crack up and I think about that one old movie. Trevor Lawrence looks like a 1980s female tennis player. Yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) 
like a triathlon. It's cool, man. It works. Hey, he's, he's, you know, yeah. Uh, Semper Fi. Zach Wilson cannot play at the NFL level yet, especially Kyle's offense. Booker Darnold would be better fits. I've coached quarterbacks in this offense for 10 years prior. I actually don't know anything about Ian Book, so I would have to take you at your word and and no Notre Dame quarterbacks. (laughs) No Notre Dame. No Notre Dame quarterbacks. (laughs) Notre Dame quarterbacks suck, dude. This is why this is why Kyle Trask is automatically low on my list because Florida quarterbacks suck too. Hey, no Notre no Notre Dame guys, anyways. They're snitches. Look at Chase Claypool and Chris. (laughs) (laughs) No snitches. (laughs) Right. Uh, Head out if you get the quarterback. Not walking through that door. No, you better get the O line to protect him too. First pick, quarterback. Second pick, offensive line. That's a yeah, totally agree. There's there's going to be guys that you can get though in like the mid rounds that'll be good. To you know, you don't necessarily need like a top flight guy interior O line, especially. Sometimes you find the guys like a lot of the offensive linemen in the NFL, especially on the interior, are undrafted guys. They're just guys you just find. So it's really yeah. just you have to believe in your scouting and stuff like that so it's shaping out to be a really weak interior line class this year too so i mean first round i might even avoid it with the second round pick and if there's a db that flies that they like at at corner or safety exactly make the move first round qb second round db after that best player available based on team need knowing what i know book and donald if they get a full offseason can run this offense a lot better than the quarterbacks we got now with the exception of jimmy g we could end up with getting keeping G and getting either. Huh? Uh, I know it's I, book. I don't know book. I don't know book. I think Darnold would be okay, but I would only go with Darnold if, like, let's say the 49ers get the seventh pick and then all four of the projected first round quarterbacks go after go before they pick. Then at that point, I'd rather do Darnold than Book just because again, I don't trust Notre Dame quarterbacks. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Um no, it's early, and I'm sure you guys will do a video on this, but a healthy team with a good quarterback, Super Bowl, I think uh, he, Eric's asking if this we had a good quarterback with this team and they were healthy, Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, we saw it last year, basically. Jimmy was a good quarterback last year, I'd say. He was at least good enough to overcome a lot of his deficiencies with coaching of Kyle Shanahan. And the defense did so much for this team, so much for this team, that he only needed to throw eight passes in that one uh, playoff game against the Packers. So, yeah, what I mean, we all thought it was going to be a repeat of last year. I think all of us thought that, and none yeah. of us were expecting the amount of injuries and the, the regression of Jimmy that we saw this year. So it just completely, I think I speak for everyone, say it took us by surprise. I think it's a good conversation to have where it's like you see that Jimmy Garoppolo was a slightly above average quarterback who executed and did the job done. But if they do get a rookie quarterback next season, let's just say it's a Wilson or Lance, it doesn't matter, a rookie. I, rookies tend to not do very good right away. It definitely does take some time to get groomed and really just kind of just get acclimated with the league, like Matt said earlier, getting up to game speed. And it's not to say that if the Niners do get a new quarterback next year that the team is for sure a Super Bowl team because I think that rookie adjustment for quarterbacks does take some time. I, still, I would still say they're a playoff team, but – Man, it's hard to figure what's a good quarterback and who who we can consider a good quarterback for this team, especially with just how the teams look this year. It's definitely, I think, I think that's a good question, and that's like something I would have to like write a whole ass essay on just to figure my thoughts. But I think at this point, anything over Jimmy Garoppolo is an upgrade, whether it is a rookie or not. It's just a matter of how successful do you think is that rookie going to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't know. I I think rookie quarterbacks now come in more ready to play than ever. That's I mean, true. I do agree. Tyler was really good last year. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are really good this year. Oh, Herbert, man. You know, I mean, you look at a guys now that, you know, and in Herbert's case especially, you know, nobody thought he was going to do well because they didn't use him right at Oregon. So, no. yeah, it's just, you know. And that's I just need to see I need yeah. to see tape because like you know I'm just doing a perfunctory glance at like Ian Book right now and he's a six foot tall mobile quarterback and I'm just like mm, I need to see tape and I need to see what his habits are because you can be vying for, and I know Notre Dame's a good team you can be vying for a national championship I don't I don't want any Alabama quarterbacks no I'm Mac not gonna take Jones. Alabama quarterbacks no Mac Jones I just, just <laughs> you know they just don't work for me yeah Mac Jones is not even on my list you know what I mean and and you know. Again, I'm not saying that he's not going to be good. I just don't know about him enough to make make a it's choice. Just like when you've been throwing with Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith and basically like world class wide receivers, it's easy to have your stock get elevated. When you have guys like Zach Wilson and who's really thrown to wide receivers that I've never really heard of, you know, it's that type of separation. And then what Matt talks about best is watching tape that really separates those guys yeah. into Trevor Lawrence tier and Coach, settle down. Settle down. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at tape, but you don't need to call me biased, dude. Relax. I'm just saying that I need to take a look at quarterbacks before I decide, but I haven't heard his name before. So that there's something there's really a lot to to go over with that. So the bottom line though is that I think I'm with Zach on this, and I know Matt, I think you are too, is that they cannot spend a second or third or fourth round pick on a quarterback. They can't. No. This, this is the quarterback position these days. Like Matt says, these guys come in ready now more than ever. Look at Tua, who stepped in a week right after Ryan Fitzpatrick won the game, and then Tua's been lighting yep. it up. And Herbert, who stepped in for an injured Tyrod Taylor, who I don't even know if still is alive at this point, and he's playing his ass off. So, it's like, <laughs> you know, you can't afford to get a stopgap guy, I think. Not with the NFC West. And I know Russell Wilson had a bad game today, but Russ is still Russ. Jared Goff is good when he's on fire, and then Kyler Murray is just – almost in another world of his own. And you need to have that level of quarterback play if you want to keep up with these offenses. And I don't want a stopgap. I don't want any type of guy who will be the placeholder until we do get a Wilson. Just throw him in there. And it's not even like you're throwing them into the fire. It's that you will finally have a whole offseason to get ready. You have the whole offseason to learn Shanahan's playbook. And you have this. That's the thing, too, is that a lot of people miss out on this, is that even if your quarterback isn't good right away, you have the skill players who will make up for that deficiency. You're going to get a healthy George Kittle. You're going to get a second-year Ayuk and a third-year Debo. You're going to have all these guys who are going to make the job that much easier. And it's just a matter of ensuring that the quarterback you get is the guy yeah and we talked about that on the preview show where i was talking about hey a rookie quarterback with these skill players because san francisco has enough talent and they're they're decimated by injuries that you don't get quarterbacks in this situation you get joe burrow to cincinnati is what you most likely get you don't get them coming to a good situation like this where we've seen game in game out there are multiple plays where guys like college wide open so if Shanahan can find his guy and just let him play right away, he's going to have those college wide open throws. Just need a quarterback to get the ball there, which is something that obviously he hasn't had. So whoever they go with, I'm sure they're going to do their due diligence on. Um, but yeah, we need a first round guy. We don't need a second round guy. Um, I prefer a top flight untarnished college quarterback over any reclamation projects or, you know, a third round like project guy. So but they do need to be careful because now we see what happened with the Packers and Jordan Love can't even get off the practice squad or wherever he's at. He doesn't even dress for games. So 
And then can, AJ, AJ Dillon in the second round doesn't even play. It's a, you know, it's, it's a crap shoot, especially with the quarterbacks. You know, if you, if you whiff, you're kind of screwing up. So um, there's been a couple of those. Josh Rosen was an example. You know, there, yeah. there's been a couple of guys that didn't make it. So they have to do their due diligence. So I think what's kind of going to be really intriguing too, is that, and Matt, we've talked about this on previous live streams. We don't really know what Kyle Shanahan's type is. But aside from like a Kirk Cousins, because and a right. CJ Beathard, I guess there's not much to go off of as to what is he like and and traits. Um, there's not too much of a track record there that we could say, oh, this is a Kyle Shanahan style quarterback. He's coached a bunch of different guys since he's been with the 49ers. The only guy he's drafted is CJ, and he kind of got stuck with Jimmy. He signed Nick as an undrafted, so it's going to be interesting to see how he, how he you know, handles this and goes forward in the draft. And I keep saying if they take a quarterback in the first round, but I'll be damned if they don't. Like, I'm going to be so mad protesting outside of Levi's if they don't take a quarterback in the first round. So, oh man, I, I just can't wait and see what they're going to do with it because they're in the defensive over. line again. <laughs> oh, my God, I swear. Don't even say that. Don't yeah, even say that. It, it, it's going to be crazy. I'm going to put this out here right now. I'm going to put this out here right now. If the 49ers pick another defensive lineman round one, I will boycott the team until they do not pick alignment in round one. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's fair because they've done it for so many years straight when there are glaring positions of needs elsewhere. It's like, what are you doing? Man, I, we talked about this uh, yesterday where it's like it's like that gym uh, bodybuilder with body dysmorphia who has gigantic biceps, yeah. little straws for legs. It's like, work out your damn legs, draft a corner, draft an offensive lineman, draft a quarterback high. There are glaring yeah. positions of need we are just neglecting. So they better do it. Um, there was a comment in here. Uh, let's see, something about if the 49ers were healthy this year. Oh, here we go. Is it David Yang? Is it believable that if we had we had our team healthy all year, we'd be a two or three loss team only? I think we all agree yes, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If the team was healthy the whole year, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd be right in that mix. Yeah. There's a three-way tie on top of the NFC West right now. If the 49ers had been healthy from day one, the 49ers would be leading this division because yeah. all the other teams have significantly more holes on their team than the Niners mm -hmm. do when they're completely healthy. Mm -hmm. um, AH, I've seen a few people mention Josh Johnson. He's not the guy, <laughs> to put it simply. No. He's a journeyman no, no, quarterback, no. backup. I mean, the guy's been in the NFL so long. He was with John uh, Jim Harbaugh's 49ers, so he's not the guy. He's just a body. Since uh, Jimmy's injured, they probably need another guy on the practice squad just to run those plays. I don't expect anything from Josh Johnson. Uh, let's no, I don't either. CJ. <laughs> Second, third-round quarterbacks. Um, no. Yeah, need the first-round guy. Need no. the premium talent. We haven't had a premium talent. Like, we – the last first round pick we had a quarterback was Alex Smith. And that was obviously that wasn't the best pick. It wasn't a terrible pick. Obviously he's had a really productive NFL career and a, and a long lasting NFL career, but the last elite elite quarterback we've had here was Steve Young. So it's been over 20 years. I think it's time to fix that. That would be awesome. It would be really good. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up here guys. So send in your questions, looking forward to the bills game. Um, I asked for thoughts. Coach says Bill's coming here. That could help us a little if we get some fans at the game, but I don't expect us to compete with them for four quarters. Their defense is better than New Orleans, and they made our off offense impotent. 
I don't think there's going to be any fans of the game. No, I'm in Santa Clara County, and Tuesday we're going to be reversing some of these orders. Yeah, Yeah. so unfortunately that's not going to happen. Um, I do think having it at Levi's might be a little more helpful than at least in going on the East Coast, but this year has been so up and down with home games and, and not home games. I don't really know what to expect from this team. Josh Allen is a hell of a quarterback. We've seen him light up a lot of teams, good defense as well. I'm not too optimistic going into this game. Anthony, what are you thinking about the Bills game? Man, all I know is, is I got Josh Allen in fantasy, and I'll be starting him up when he plays <laughs> us. So <laughs> I'll be ready for that. But, yeah, I mean, it's the Bills, man. They're a playoff team. They're playing really well. I know they just lost on a big Hail Mary to the Cardinals today, but the bottom mm-hmm. line is that the Bills are still a very well-built, deep playoff team. And just whether Mostert and Sherman and those guys come back, I still don't think the Niners have the good enough personnel to match up against the Bills. And if this team was healthy, don't get me wrong, I think it would be a great matchup and it would be a different conversation. But right now, though, because of all the injuries and just because of the situation, this is just it's, – it's, I mean, it's not a winnable game. You know, the Niners – I don't think the Niners are going to go out there and play defense like they did against the Saints today. I don't think they have that capability to stop the Bills. And, I mean, we see how bad the offense is already, and I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Johnson got a snap when we played the Bills. So that's how bad it's been. But, nah, I mean, it, the season's all but a wash, man. I mean, it's going to take 10-6 and six to make the playoffs, it feels like, even with the expansion. And it seems like in everyone's minds that's not what we want. <laughs> we don't want a playoff yeah. spot. <laughs> no. Unfortunately. It's not even worth competing at this point because they're going to get stuck somewhere in purgatory and be like mm-hmm. a seven and nine, too far for a quarterback, not make the playoffs. What's the point of that? Nobody guess wins. What? Jimmy Garoppolo's back. <laughs> Losing his starting job to Nick Mullins that, again next that, year. That's worse than saying we're going to pick a defensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, almost. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's almost. unfortunate, but uh, I think that's going to do it for us today, guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any other final thoughts you want to get out there about the next week's game. Nope. Yeah, I just think. Luck. I mean, yeah. we're, we, we're coming up on the bye week, so we got we got yeah. some time to yeah. marinate on this bad boy. Yeah. So yeah. you know, the, I, out there. the irony of how early last season's bye was, and how much we could have used that bye later in the season, and then you look at how late our bye is now, and how helpful it would have been if our bye was early this season. It's just a, you know our luck, just Niners luck. Twenty twenty, man. <laughs> it's really all it is 2020 but guys i want to thank you all for tuning in to 49ers versus saints live stream recap um hit that subscribe button if you're here support the channel we go live saturdays before the games and sundays after the games and we do a show tuesday through friday um so subscribe to our youtube channel if you haven't already hit like on this video and drop a comment below what are your thoughts on the 49ers loss to the saints Go ahead and click the bell for notifications so you don't miss any videos. Until next time, guys, go Niners.